This is Digital Marketer. This week, it's Monique Morrison. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today I'm excited to share this conversation I had with Monique Morrison. She's the founder of Geronimo Solutions, a marketing agency, as well as success with digital for digital marketing training company. She's also a digital marketer certified partner and a coach in the brand new Lavalie Coaching Mastermind. Monique has an incredible marketing mind and I got a lot out of this conversation and I hope you will too. Here it is. So Monique, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that you could join me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So before we kind of dig into micro moments and planning and revenue and the customer value journey, I want to know a little bit about you and you know where you started and how you became interested in marketing. Sure. So I actually went to school for psychology, but at the time I was working at a hotel in the food and beverage department, and I ended up working my way up and getting offered management. I became the food and beverage director for Weston Hotels in Edmonton, Alberta, where I was living at the time. And they ended up transitioning me into a brand manager position, and I helped them rebrand their restaurant. And in doing so, the owners of the West Edmonton Mall, they contacted me and asked me if I would do the same thing for them. And then it just kind of snowballed. So I'm kind of an accidental entrepreneur. It wasn't really something <laughs> that I planned. And then in 2011, when things started, you know, kind of picking up with Facebook and uh, social media, I learned how to do the marketing as well as the consulting. And so I found DM in 2000, end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And that's where my agency really took off. And I want, ended up winning the Business of the Year Award through our Chamber of Commerce that year. And it just kind of rolled from there. I became a partner with DM in 2018. And I do a lot of training on that end of things. And yeah, that's how I came to be where I am now. Yeah. So what is kind of your focus now with with your clients? And when you're consulting with a company, what do you focus on? So... In terms of a client base, we deal with a lot of local businesses, but in terms of our strategy, everything we do is based around the customer value journey and looking at how to transition people from the aware stage all the way to the advocate stage and building brand advocates. I also do a lot of training with our clients. And so whether they need it as a done-for-you service through our agency or through our training company, we'll go in and help people map out their customer value journeys, create the processes that they need to follow in order to be able to implement it, and then teach their in-house teams how to do the tasks that they need to do in order to be able to pull off their marketing. Yeah, so talk a little bit about where you usually start when you're looking at the customer value journey and you're with with someone for the first time, let's just pretend the person listening right now it has come to you for a little bit of help. So listener, lovely listener, I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> Hopefully you're not driving and imagine Monique is talking to you about your business. What's the first thing that they need to be thinking about and looking at? Well, even before you really start the customer value journey, you kind of have to be aware of who your 
buyer persona is and who you're selling to, because the way that they move through that customer value journey will be different depending on what's important to them and the end goal, the desired after state that they're trying to achieve. But once we have the buyer personas mapped out, then we'll start at the ascend stage and look at what their core offering is. And then from there, we kind of move backwards from ascend to excite and convert where we look and see through their sales process at what point do people get excited and have this aha moment that lets them know that they're in the right place and that they're working with the right company and then from there you can kind of work yourself backwards and say okay well if that's the thing that makes them convert and that makes them excited what kind of lead magnet or information can we give them to have them subscribe? What kind of content would they need to see? And how can we help them to become aware that we're here? And then from there, what we do is kind of put that into place. And then once you have a customer base, you can focus on the ascend to the advocate stage where you're trying to have these great moments with people that eventually once they go through the advocate stage, you want to convert them into a brand advocate where they tell everybody about how much they love you. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to me that you start everything super backwards and then loop back around. So for someone listening that maybe isn't familiar with the customer value journey, could you describe the steps a customer would take and then go a little bit more into the ascend stage after that. So there's eight stages in the customer value journey. And the first is the aware stage. So that is people just learning who you are and knowing that you're there. That's the first stage. And then from there, it goes to the engage stage. And that can be them interacting with any type of content you have, whether it be your social media page, maybe they read a blog post on your website, or even visit your YouTube channel. And then from there, you want to be able to transition them to the subscribe stage where they're willing to give their contact information for some piece of value. So a lot of times we call that lead magnets where people can download a checklist or an ebook, or maybe watch a video or a mini class. And once you do that, You move them to the convert stage where uh, you want them to have that first transaction with you. And so transactions can be not always monetary. It can be either giving of time or giving of money. And typically at the convert stage, this isn't your core offer. This is something that you can kind of take from your core offer and sell as a standalone. That's maybe a low dollar offer. You want it to be something that... When people look at your offer, they say, wow, that just makes sense. There's so much value there that it makes it easy for them to say yes. And then once they have that, that's when they move to hopefully the excite stage where they get value out of that first interaction. And they then would move to the ascend stage where you have your main core offer and your additional upsells. Now, when you want to move from the ascent stage to the next two stages is kind of where those micro moments come in. And so from the ascent stage, it moves to the advocate stage. And then that's where people will tell people about your business and without you having to ask. And so there's one stage actually before that where it's they're willing to give a review 
or a testimonial when you ask. And then when they get to that last stage, the advocate stage, that's when they're willing to tell people about you just because they love you so much. And so when people ask for recommendations on Facebook, they're willing to tag your business or when they're having, you know, coffee with their friends, they want to be able to tell them how great you are. And so the goal is to always try to get people to that advocate stage. And a lot of the magic that happens in turning someone from a regular customer to a brand advocate happens in that Ascend stage because every interaction that someone has with your business at that Ascend stage is an opportunity to move them to becoming a brand advocate. And so consistency in your service and consistency in the product that they're getting from you is how you're going to be able to move them to that advocate stage. And so there's little micro moments where just like the customer value journey, if anyone's heard Ryan Dias speak about it, it's kind of like a relationship. And so at that ascend stage, you can have these micro moments where you just touch base with them, let them know that you care, that will move them down that value journey to say, yes, I'm going to be married to you. Yes, I'm a brand advocate and I'd love your business. I really love the analogy because when you're getting married <laughs> and you're proposed to, you know, there's there's a time between saying yes and a time between when you're walking down the aisle and there are some pretty key moments between those two two times between those two moments <laughs> where you know, you've got to step it up a little bit. You've got to commit a little bit. You've got to you know, whisk them away and prove that you're someone that they can and commit to. And so when you think of like relationships and the things that happen, you know, as you fall in love with someone, it's a lot of like the, there's these big moments that end up happening, but it's all the little moments in between that build that intimacy. And so when I speak about micro moments, I'm talking about those little moments uh, in between the sales, you know, how you can reach and touch base with someone between sales, between emails. And then there's also, when it comes to intimacy and creating intimacy, there's these idiosyncrasies that, you know, you find in someone that like, you know, I love the way that they snore when they sleep or like they get these facial expressions. (laughs) And so I think along with the customer value journey, there's this piece about being authentic and allowing yourself to be raw and genuine with your audience that helps to assist that. And that can be grown. That intimacy can be grown throughout the journey when you allow yourself to be open and honest with your audience as well. Yeah. So let's kind of dig into those little in-betweensies. And I'd love to know just some, some places for people to start. I think especially at the Ascend stage, it makes so much sense that you start there because a lot a lot of people, when they learn to do marketing or they want to improve their marketing, they start with an ad. And there are so many things that need to be fixed before you send out an ad and drive more people in, you know, you've got to, got to paint the walls and <laughs> put a couch in before you invite people to your home. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about those, those moments that, that brands can create. Yeah. So I think those moments are different across all businesses. And I think in order to understand what those moments should be, if you look at your sales cycle and kind of deep dive into that, it will 
kind of give you an indication as to what those moments should be. So an example would be, I work with a home improvement company and every time they finish a project, they give a certificate of completion. And when they're done that, a lot of times, maybe the salespeople that are in-house wouldn't necessarily follow up with those people because the project's done. But if you want them to come back and take your next upsell, you kind of have to keep that uh, communication open with them. And so what we had set up was the certificate goes out via email. We ask them for a review. In a month, there's an automated email that goes out that says, hey, are you still enjoying uh, the work that we did? Again, it asks for a review. And then this particular client worked as a Air Miles Rewards partner. And so six weeks after we would send them a message and say, hey, if you're willing to do a new project with us, we're willing to give you a bonus. But then there's other moments too, like if you think of, you know, like a car dealership, there's making the sale, but then there's all these moments in between, like, are you still enjoying it? Hey, it's time for a trade-in. And then even with restaurants, we use a lot of Wi-Fi marketing and on-site marketing that tracks how often people come. And so if someone has come, Mm. you know, X amount of times in a month, then we'll send them a text message or we'll send them an email being like, hey, we just wanted to say thank you for your dedicated, you know, being dedicated to us. Or if they haven't been a while, we'll send them a message and say, hey, haven't seen you in a while. We just want to let you know that we really miss you. There's also moments when you can just say thank you, you know, social media posts that goes out where you just genuinely thank people is a moment that feels good to them. You're not asking for anything But those are things that just really get a lot of engagement because people love to be thanked. And if they are part of your community, they want to be a part of that too, right? So it kind of builds, when you have your thank yous in there and all these touch points, then I find that just in general, engagement across the board gets better too. Yeah. I mean, what I'm kind of seeing as a theme is all of these are outbound. It's not like micro moments are more content that you send out, you know, like it's outbound communication that is asking a direct question or asking a specific question or talking to a person for a specific action. Yeah. So when you're thinking about micro moments, it is usually typically outbound and it can be anything you know, some places they have birthday clubs where people sign up to get a surprise on their birthday and you can just say thank you and happy birthday and give them a free piece of cake with the purchase of an entree. Or there's some people, you know, in your CRM, if you know people's anniversaries, it's sending them, in, you know, a happy anniversary. It's all those little moments that it's like, oh, they really thought of me. Anytime, anytime you have one of those moments, definitely take advantage of it. So going into how these moments kind of relate to some of the early parts of the journey, how are you setting things up so that you are, you can receive this kind of information and data? Sure. So typically for a lot of our local businesses, we'll have them subscribe to the birthday club right on their website. Or if someone's signing up for an email list, usually we follow up with a secondary email that says, Hey, Um, We also have this birthday club and if you'd like to be a part of it, you can join. At the beginning of it, a lot of times we implement a lot of contests to be able to get people in and get that virility going. For Mm -hmm. retail businesses, if 
we have Wi-Fi set up. A lot of times we'll offer a discount at checkout so that people sign up then. We have them subscribe to the list and then we're able to send out information based on that. For the local businesses where people are on site, we use a lot of Wi-Fi presence analytics. So really our main goal is to always have someone log into the Wi-Fi, whether that's for a contest, an automatic discount, or anything along those lines in order to be able to kind of get them into the system. I mean, I don't even know how to change my Wi-Fi network's name. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not there, but how do you how do you do that? Is that an easy thing? It's it's fairly easy. I have someone on my team that knows about the networking. I personally don't know how to like install yeah. the Wi-Fi. There's someone that deals with the routers and everything and the mechanics behind it. But once it's installed, then I can I can say, okay, well, I want people I know what I want people to do. And once they're in the system, I can say, okay, well, most people come to a restaurant twice a month. And so if they don't come that many times, what do we want them to do? Or if they haven't come in a month, what do I want them to do? And it's looking at those, again, your sales cycle and how often people usually buy from you or purchase from you and looking at when you can touch base with them when they get outside of those time frames. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So when it comes to having like these micro moments, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you find that the sales cycle tends to alter. Do you, do you find that that happens? Well, I, th- I think it alters in the sense that if you're continuing to follow up with people, then you can shorten that sales cycle. For instance, if someone, you know, did a renovation on their kitchen and then there wasn't a follow-up system, then they might choose to maybe renovate their bathroom at whatever time is convenient for them. But if you're consistently following up with them and planting that seed with them and incentivizing them to start a project right away, then you can shorten that sales cycle. Same thing with a dealership. You know, once someone buys a vehicle, maybe it's a couple of years before they come in for a trade-in, or maybe it could have just been longer, but because you reached out to them and started that communication, then it can shorten the sales cycle. Okay. Yeah. So one thing, when it comes to the CBJ, another huge part of of how you work with clients is the planning process. What kind of things do you insist people implement? The buyer personas is definitely something that they need to complete. And typically people have more than one buyer persona. So mapping out different individual buyer personas. A lot of times what we do after that is kind of do an even deeper dive than say just like what are the demographics of this buyer persona. We talk about the language that they best resonate with. What are some of the things that would not be good to talk to them about? What are some of the things that trigger them in terms of making purchases? And so we'll do a deep dive on that. And then really it's looking at that core offer and seeing if there's other ways to be able to, I guess, position it. Like a lot of times people will have, say, five different products well, maybe one of those should be brought down to a lower dollar and be put at the convert stage. Or maybe once you get to the ascent stage and you want to be able to increase uh, the order value, like maybe there's a product that goes well with other products that you can bundle together. 
And so it's really like a deep dive. A lot of times what we do is look at past campaigns. And so as a DM partner, I have access to the 73 point checklist. And so that gives us a good basis to go through and say, hey, have you ever done this before? Have you ever, you know, ran Facebook ads? Have you ever done radio? Have you gone to trade shows? And so going through that process and finding out what they've done before helps us to map that on the customer value journey and then say, was it a success or is there some way that we can repurpose that type of campaign somewhere else, but maybe with a new spin? And so a lot of times the sales that people have, it's not that the products are revolutionary, it's the way that you're positioning it. And so a lot of times, especially with older businesses, they ran these old campaigns that they might've ran on the radio in the nineties and it was a big hit, but they never think to add it to their customer value journey. And so as we start going through historically what they've ran, it allows us to kind of be like, okay, well, there's some new ideas here, new old ideas that we can kind of plug into this system. That's so great. The new old ideas is genius because it's stuff that works. And if something worked for the, your kind of customer, like I guarantee the same people who want laser hair removal (laughs) are, are similar to the ones who wanted laser hair removal 20 years ago with a little updates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Exactly. So when it comes to the, the coaching that we've started, so for, for those listening, we started a program in our elite membership level. It's a coaching program. And Monique is one of our amazing coaches. And I know you've had a lot of introduction calls with some of your students. I'd love to know common themes you're seeing and some of your philosophies around, around the issues that you see in kind of everyday marketing life. Sure. Yeah. So probably the number one thing that people are excited about is having that accountability component, having someone that's there, that's going to help them through the process. And the way that I kind of tackle coaching is a lot of times there's goals that people want to achieve, but they end up, you know, starting something and then ending up with a half built bridge, moving on to something else. And so I think what's cool about coaching is helping someone identify what those goals are and then helping them to incrementally break that down into bite-sized tasks that they can accomplish and be able to check off. A lot of people have been saying that, you know, they feel that they can get things done if they know what they need to check off their list. But when you have ideas that are so big and high level, it's hard to, you know, zoom in and look incrementally. What are all those smaller tasks that need to get done in order to be able to move the ship forward? And so that's kind of the, the big thing that we're focusing on to start which is really great with the program that Ryan's put together because at the end of the 30-day kickstart training that's available in Elite, the students come out with a their big three. So their big three goals for the quarter. And so what we're doing now is looking at those big three, uh, identifying you know which would be the easiest to implement or the most important to implement, and then breaking that down into 
two week kind of tasks that they can then come back in two weeks and say, okay, this is what I have done, or these were my roadblocks. But a lot of people, when it comes to coaching, what they're really, really looking for is to have someone that they can bounce ideas off of, especially in marketing. Oftentimes, whether you're a solo marketer or you're part of a bigger team, but you're only, you know, a lot of times people end up getting siloed or they're in their own little world and in marketing. And so it's nice to be able to have people that you can bounce ideas off of and just, you know, throw things out there and and see what feedback is. Yeah. I'm sure just as a, when you're either marketing for a business or running a business, you find yourself so entrenched in your own little niche that when you're looking for inspiration or solutions to a problem, you tend to come upon the same ones. You know, it's like the, if you're a restaurant, like, free queso when you check in <laughs> on Foursquare. I don't even know if Foursquare exists anymore, but it's, it's that kind of stuff. You know, you see the same thing over and over, but what I think I love about these cohorts of people is they all have such different experience. They all have such different skill levels and levels of success in their business. And what you start to see is people across different industries kind of helping to inspire one another. And I, I kind of love that mastermind component. It it allows for so much more expansion mm-hmm. in, in like the way you think about marketing. Yeah, it's it's actually really great, especially because the way that people were put into the group, it they weren't like all e-commerce or all local businesses or all one specific industry. It's different people from different industries at different places in their business in terms of longevity as well. And so it's really neat to see how one person can be talking about, you know, what they're going through and someone in a different industry is like, oh, we had a similar issue, but this is what we did. And I'm not sure if it'll work in your niche, but then they're like, oh my goodness, it kind of like starts this snowball effect of creativity and ideas. And I think that's where like the magic happens. And I always get like kind of giddy and excited about it. You know, when you're like, Oh my goodness, look at all this crazy, you know, everyone just kind of really gets into it. And so I think that's one of the benefits of having it as a group where we all learn from it. It's not just people just coming to me for answers. We're all just kind of working together. I'm, I'm just the facilitator. (laughs) Kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're all the geniuses. Honestly, yeah, it's like everyone just throwing the Gatorade over everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone's celebrating everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weirdest analogy ever. I okay. So for the people who have done their big three, are there common projects that you have seen multiple businesses want to be working on? This is this is a curious pure curiosity. Well, I guess everyone wants to have more customers, but that's not necessarily everyone's goal. And I think a lot of it depends too. Like there's some people that are just getting started out. And so they have a common goal within them to get the system and processes in place. But then there's some of the uh, more matured companies that have revenue and they have some of the systems and processes in place, but they're more looking to optimize or streamline. And so those would be the two most common. And so with the newer businesses that are getting started, it's a lot about 
finding that aha moment and figuring out uh, the convert to a send stage. And then for some of the mature businesses that have that, it's like, okay, well, can we optimize that stage? But then also, how can we move people from that advocate stage up the ascension ladder so that they're buying more frequently and moving them to the advocate stage? So those, depending on if they're, you know, young or mature, depends a lot on what their what their top three goals are. I mean, it seems seems pretty important for that aha moment. And I know you, you kind of briefly went over it, but I'd love to hear you kind of dig in really deep on the aha moment and how you can reverse engineer it. Yeah. So a lot of times there's, I guess, a moment, right? There's, and if you're ever wondering what that moment is, it just think about, you know, when you're talking to your clients or you're talking to your customers and they just say, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sold, right? Like they get, they get that excited. You kind of want to be able to find out what that moment is. And so I was working with one client, they sell chaga and I had said to them, you know, like what, what is the moment when people get excited? When do you know, like they're going to be a customer for life. And the gentleman had said, when they talk to me and I explain to them how it works and how to use the product, and he had a 1-800 number and I was like, well, I don't think that you can physically talk to everybody, but maybe that's, you know, putting together like a webinar or a video series that people can have those aha moments on their own time. And so I think it's really looking at the people that are your customers now, and especially the ones that are your brand advocates and looking at the commonalities between them that made them convert. Yeah. From start to finish in this episode, what I've heard pretty consistently is the focus on the current customer, like over and over the people you have now, the people who like you now, the people who are buying from you now are the ones that you're digging into for the ascend at the ascend stage and talking to for promotions. The ones that you're figuring out about the aha moment. I mean, it's all about them. Yeah. So you definitely want to spend a lot of time understanding your customer and what's driving them. And when you first start planning out, a lot of times it's hypotheticals, but it's not until you get those customers into your funnel and start seeing how they move through your customer value journey that you can really say, okay, oh, well, that's you know what we predicted or that wasn't what we predicted. And it helps you to be kind of agile if you're paying attention to how people are reacting to your offers to your touch points then it allows you to adjust and make that you know value journey shorter is what you're hopefully doing um, but at the same time just <laughs> more effective and so every time you get someone to a brand advocate stage, well, then there's someone telling their friends about it. Uh, and those people then become aware about you and they start their own value journey. And so I think it's really important to have that focus on the people that you have currently because it, it's a feeder. It's cyclical in terms of bringing new people in as well. Yeah. So for, for the sake of people listening right now that don't, have a current customer, you know, they're just starting out or they're like, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to open up my own business or I'm going to 
sell these socks, you know, whatever they're going to do. <laughs> Beyond there's like, there's like the CVJ that you plan. And then there's the real CVJ. That's what's happening. So how often should you go back and recreate your CVJ based on reality? So I think Normally, what we do is maybe not a super deep dive into the CVJ, but at least quarterly, we we look and see how things are going and if anything big has changed. And then from there, we'd probably look on like an annual basis, like, oh, ha- have things adjusted? Maybe the buyer personas that we have, maybe there's one buyer persona in particular that, you know, revenues uh, grew and we can look back and say, okay, well, how did that change in terms of the content that we put out and the micro moments that we uh, have? Like, was there something that caused that in the value journey? But in terms of tying it together, even if they're a new business, there's within DM, there's the certification, the customer value optimization. And so mapping the two together is probably on a like a quarterly basis. We'll look at the campaign, see how they did, and then see how that maps to the customer value journey. And so the customer mm-hmm. value optimization is kind of like the roads on a map where the CBJ is the map. And so we'll often look and see, okay, well, we wanted people to become aware of us. We ran traffic and we brought them to our site from LinkedIn or from Facebook. Like how did that uh, work out? And so as you're running campaigns, you kind of need to assess your customer value journey to see if people are moving through it and the things that you have set up through your CBO, if, if they're doing what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of like real quantitative data that informs qualitative Mm -hmm, planning. mm -hmm, Exactly. We're kind of getting to the end of the hour and I have one final question that I ask every single person on this podcast, at least the first time, because after you've been on it again, you don't need to answer it. So Monique, if you could go back in time and tell Monique, hotel Monique, you know, before she started this journey, maybe back when you're doing psychology, before you started this journey, you could go back in time and tell that Monique anything at all. What would you tell her? Well, on the grand scheme of things, I think that following your gut, there's all these moments that you feel like you know the right way that you should go and the right path. And then when you don't follow your gut is often when the things happen that you're like, oh man, I should have listened to my gut. And so over the years, I've had to learn the hard way moments when I didn't listen to my gut and then stuff ended up happening. So as a marketing agency, that could be, you know, taking on a client when your gut was like, Ooh, that's not a good fit or, you know, running a campaign where it was good, but you're like, Oh, I don't know if it's truly speaking to our audience, you know, like maybe it can be tweaked a bit, but then needing to put it out. So you kind of put it out. And so there's moments where I think that you go against your intuition. And I would say to my, you know, student hospitality Monique that that's what I would say is like when you feel it in your gut that you should take a certain path follow it and and just don't question it I think that's a good lesson for everybody <laughs> it's it's internal micro yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So Monique, where can everyone find out more about you and what you do? Sure. So I and contact you. Okay. Well, I have my agency, Geronimo Solutions. We're at geronimo.ca. We also have our consultant and training website company, which is called Success with Digital. And of course, I am a part of the DM community. So you can find me in Elite and Lab and even the Certified Partner Group. And then you can also (laughs) search me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with other like-minded individuals there as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. And to you listening out there, thank you so much for a little bit of your time today. It means everything because really, that's all we've got, right? In the end. So thank you. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Goodbye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.